Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. We are in the book of Colossians. And if you want to pre-put a finger in in uh, the book of Philemon, we'll spend a good amount of time there tonight, too. So Colossians chapter 3. Verses 12 and 13 is our springboard into tonight's lesson. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for our time here tonight, Lord. We thank you for our preserved word of God that you've, you've given to us, Lord, that we can open up and study from and learn and grow closer to you in these days. Lord, we thank you tonight for our study in Colossians, Lord, that we might learn of this thing of bowels of mercies tonight, which we'll key in on. Lord, I ask for the filling of your spirit and, and just helping me in, in presenting your word tonight. Help just get me out of the way and that your, your word would come forth. Use me as, as your channel tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've begun lesson number 10 last week, kind of stumbled through the opening, apologize for that. Um, but, uh, lesson nine. <laughs> okay, we'll skip the slides, tonight. it's not that important. So we are talking in, um, in chapter three here, starting out in verse 12 last time, we looked at, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. And the idea there is now that we are, if, you, if you're born again and you're a Christian, you know the Lord is Savior, you're a new creature, the Bible calls you. That the old things are passed away, behold, all things are made new. Lord, we have a new nature now within us where we, wherewith we can choose whether to obey God or not. We have that choice now. Before, everything ultimately would be burned up would lead to destruction. There's nothing good that we could have done before knowing Jesus Christ as Savior. And after that, I would argue, too, that nothing good of us comes through. It's what the Lord does through us, what we allow him to do through us. And as, as we yield to his spirit, he can use us and, and help us be a witness to others, um, to, to, to be a light to our families, to do many things that glorify him through his power. The choice is ours to allow that the Spirit of God and His outworking to to outwork through us. It's not us that does it. I mean, I'm up here tonight dressed in a suit. I have new clothes on. I guess you could say is the metaphor of this lesson is, but it's not me. Hopefully, that is coming forth. I pray that I'm out of the way tonight in teaching this lesson. That it that it is God that is speaking to us through His Word. So let's we're going to spend a good amount of time in His Word and 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 look through that tonight. But. Um, Right, so now the, the believer is now enabled through Christ to put on the new Christ-like qualities and characteristics. And that's what we're going to look at a few of them here tonight. Well, actually just one of them, but in, in succeeding lessons, we'll look at the rest. So part B, 1B in your outlines, the descriptions of new clothes are what's written there. So the words that we have here, we've, we've already looked through, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Now we have this phrase, bowels of mercies. So the word translated bowels here 
in this specific location is found 11 times in the New Testament. Don't ask me to pronounce Greek. You can ask Brother Chris to do that. I'm, I can see letters, but <laughs> yeah, the engineer in me just recognizes the letters. I can tell you where they're used in, in electrical engineering specifically. Most all of them are at some point one, one way or the other and many times over. But, um, but here we find it, this word 11 times in the New Testament, one of them, of course, being here in Colossians 3.12. But only one time, interestingly enough, is in the New Testament, in uh, the book of Acts, chapter 118, is this word used to refer to something physical. And in this verse, it's referring to Judas Iscariot, who was hung on the tree and his bowels gushed out, as denoting how he died. This is the only reference that I could find here that refers to the physical sense of bowels, right? We would think... Our bowels or our stomach, our intestine, our guts, right? Guts is sometimes a metaphor for fortitude, intestinal fortitude. How, how, uh, how, um, how well do you strict to, stick to your principles? Do you have courage, intestinal fortitude to stick to your principles? Sometimes it's referred to in the physical sense, again, as courage for running into a battle headlong, charging in there. Gung, all gung-ho and all, and all the rest. But in this case, it's, it's a physical reference, and I find it fitting that it refers to Judas himself, who was physical. He was of this earth, trusting in things, uh, the one who kept the bag, the one who was looking after earthly and minding after earthly things, but not, at, not after spiritual things. So that's, it's kind of, I find it kind of fitting in that sense. So the other ten times refer to being compassionate or having compassion one to another, tender mercy, inward mercy, and affections of the heart. Those are some of the ways that it's translated, in addition to bowels of mercies here in Colossians 3. And here we see that bowels of mercies is a component of charity that we'll evaluate in, in, four, in verse 14. Verse 14 summarizes these, this very short list of, of, of components of charity, but having bowels of mercy would be a part of having charity toward others. Uh, one reference in the book of Luke references refers to where the uh, referring to the coming Messiah as the day spring from on high is through the tender mercy of our God. So the Messiah to come is because God has mercy on His creation, and that's what Zechariah Zacharias is, is prophesying here. Uh, eight of the remaining nine references are found in Paul's letters, with the last reference being in 1 John. The nine references, if you want to look them up later, are 2 Corinthians 6.12 and 7.15, Philippians 1.8 and chapter 2, verse 1, our verse here in Colossians, and three of them in Philemon, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 17. They all have similar context and refer to compassion, tender inward mercy, and the affection of the heart. So it's, it's this emotional feeling, in some sense, toward others. And in this case, it would be toward other believers. Do you have this compassion toward others that if you see something wrong, that, you, that you're moved to help in some way? That help might be prayer. That's a big one, right? Shouldn't start anything without praying. It might be to minister to their, their physical needs, to further minister to their spiritual needs, having compassion one on another, your bowels of mercies, that 
not emotion from a worldly state, but a, a spirit-filled emotion designed to, uh, to go help your brother, to go help your sister and what they may need. So the Apostle John asks a question in 1 John three seventeen. The verse reads, But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Rhetorical question, right? If you have something and you see a brother in need and you're not moved with compassion to help them, and again, maybe, maybe this brother is in need due to some sort of chastisement, and that's something you need to pray about. Maybe it's the Lord's chastisement that somebody's struggling right now. Sometimes it's not. And, and prayerfully, we should consider whether to, whether to help someone or not. I think the Lord will direct you in that and use it for the, for the right purposes. He'll, he'll, he'll use that either way. But it's a rhetorical question that points out that a spirit-filled believer will have bowels of compassion for a fellow brother or sister in Christ. If there is not tender mercy one to another, there may be a barrier between the believer and God, or they may be deceived and not been born again at all. So this is something you would have to evaluate yourself on. You know, if you're not experiencing tender mercy to a brother or sister in Christ when you see a, a situation there, maybe you need to evaluate what's going on there. This may be an obvious situation where that would be called for, where having compassion upon someone would be called for. But if you're not experiencing that, maybe you should question, am I right with God, first of all? Am I, am I prayed up? Am I read up? Am I, am, am I filled with the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Christ in my, myself? Is there a reason why I'm not... Uh, words are escaping me... <laughs> Is there a reason why I'm not feeling for this person? Sometimes if you look at um, Job's friends in the book of Job, they, you got to look who's, say, who's speaking, and their, their advice is not always right. Uh, it's very much worldly in that sense. Even Job himself is, is misguided and woe is me sort of things. Uh, but what you find at the beginning of Job is that his friends come, and when all these things befall him, they come and sit with them. That's one of those things. I mean, sometimes you just need somebody to, to be there. Maybe not necessarily talk with you and tell you what's wrong. Job's friends would spend a lot of time telling him, well, maybe you're the, maybe you did something wrong back there. That's not, that's not necessarily what, what's needed all the time. Sometimes people just need, um, need an ear, somebody, to lis- somebody that will listen to them. Sometimes they need just a shoulder. Sometimes they need a hand. All these different things. It's not always your words of wisdom that, uh, that, that will get them through. The words of God will, will certainly comfort and can do that. Uh, and should be the first thing you should go to when when consoling or uh, working with somebody and showing forth these bowels of, com- of compassion, bowels of mercies. So the other point then too is if you're not um, if you're not feeling it toward your brother or sister in Christ, maybe maybe there's a problem. Maybe you're really not born again too, and that's maybe a more serious thing. 
not maybe it is a more serious thing and that's again so each person has to reevaluate their own heart am i right with god first and foremost in the sense of am i saved am i born again we went through that last week but the simple thing to know for sure if you're born again or not is to recognize that you're not good that you've sinned everybody has that you need a savior his name is jesus christ call out to him in forgiveness he will forgive your sin he will guarantee you a home in heaven from there he'll put his spirit in you and he'll work on you and he'll change you and if this is what you need to get yourself right back on track with 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 uh, compassion toward others he'll do that for you he'll be knocking on your heart brian you should be going over and talking to that person brian there's something you need to do over here right i think we've all been there i've certainly been there so the three references that i want to look at now in in philemon if you turn over there it's interesting because there are 11 total references three of them show up in philemon and it's a rather short book so maybe there's something going on there in philemon so the book of philemon paul writes to a man named philemon who lived in Colossae, and how fitting to fit that into our study here in Colossians. There are references to uh, a man in, in Colossians chapter 4. Uh, let me see if I can page back over to here. Archippus. I'm going to really butcher names. <laughs> so forgive me. Uh, 417 if you want that reference Um, and let me get myself over to the correct page Timothy, Titus Philemon so it's rather short we'll just go down through it rather quickly here and point out the important points Um, may I have a volunteer to read a verse there are three key verses do I have three hands Brother Charles verse 7 Brother Chris verse 12 Pastor, verse 20. So, all right. So, Paul begins the letter, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, and Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved Apphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, who was mentioned back in Colossians 4.17, and to the church of thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul begins with kind of his standard greeting and names a few people there specifically we know that it's to philemon and there are a couple other people in his house uh, brothers and brothers in christ sisters in christ i'm not sure uh, who exactly they are but brothers in christ uh, from the general standpoint i thank god verse 4 making mention of thee always in my prayers hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the lord jesus and toward all saints right he's hearing of their love toward all saints and that's going to be key here as as paul makes his petition later that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in christ jesus verse 7 right so same word here bowels of the saints and and paul and his his the men that he's traveling with here have great joy and consolation in thy love they've heard about what philemon and his friends are doing 
and and what they're doing specifically is they're they're having compassion upon uh, the saints that are refreshed. So fellow believers that are there, they're having compassion on them. They're serving them, right, uh, and ministering to their needs in whatever capacity that may be. And and Paul is commending him for that. It's like you know that brings us great joy to hear that you are out there serving and helping other brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's keying in on this here. So verse eight. Wherefore. <clears throat> Wherefore, though I may be much bold, uh, though I might be much bold in Christ to en- enjoin thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech ye, being a, such an one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I beseech thee, Paul's petition here, for my son Onesimus whom I have begotten in my bonds. So another, in another place, uh, Paul refers to Timothy as his son, right? And he's referring to using that same endearing term, not, not physical son, this is not Paul's actual son, biological son, but son in the face, someone who he led to the Lord. Son, uh, whom I have begotten in my bonds, which in time past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. So Paul's saying, you, you know this guy. There's a relationship, and we find out exactly what that relationship is here coming up. But there's, there's, there's this man here you know that I've met here in Rome. His name is Onesimus. You know him. And uh, in times he's been unprofitable to thee. And let's, we'll read down through here a little bit. But he's been unprofitable, but now is profitable to thee and to me. So Paul's saying now there's something that's changed in this man's heart. He is now a fellow, a brother, and a brother in Christ, and he's now profitable to thee. Whatever he might have been in the past, right? We we've all had past. We all have a past life, where we were before we were saved. Things that we did, we were unprofitable toward God, to God at that time. And now, with his with his moving in his spirit, we can become profitable to him, as we yield to him. Paul is saying here. Let's just hold up. Let's set aside what you what you think you know about Onesimus. Verse twelve. Here I have said again, now therefore receive him. That is Right, so now Paul is saying here he's sending Onesimus back to Philemon. And he's asking him to receive him. Right? Normally there would be some sort of punishment. We find that uh later here that that uh, Onesimus was the servant. The Bible uses the word servant. We, in modern times, might call it a slave, but it's not slave in a... Boy, this world is so charged right now in all of its stuff, but someone who was a, bond, who was a servant, who was a worker, I guess you could say that, but is bound to his master in that sense. So he's asking, I'm sending him to you again. He was profitable to me or he is profitable to me Paul is saying but I'm going to send him to you and he's profitable to thee and to me and he's sending him back and he's asked Paul's asking him to receive him as mine own bowels this of me this is my we're, we're both brothers in Christ now and as you would receive me he's at Paul's asking him to receive Onesimus set aside what he's done in the past and look at the new man that is there now 
Verse 13, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be, as it were, of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more to thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So now he's coming back, the unprofitable servant prior, who had left, who had skipped out on his duty. He was to be there and do what his master had for him. But he left, traveled to Rome, heard Paul preaching and teaching, and got saved. And now, recognizing that, you know, I, I, I've done something wrong. I'm, I'm actually supposed to be serving this man back in Colossae. Paul recognizes how, how good of a servant he is to him there, and it would be great if he could be there and continue to minister to Paul. But there's a greater duty for him to go back and fulfill what he had to do back there. Paul sends him back, and he asks for the mercy of Philemon toward him. If thou, uh, if thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. If he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. And verse 20. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Fresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in the obedience I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt do more than I say. So he's asking Philemon to receive Onesimus again. He has wronged you in the past, but now he is profitable unto you. Not only because he's returning to do his job, to do his work that's there, but because he's a fellow brother in Christ. And that together you two can serve others. You can be um, continue with, with what Paul had commended him for in uh Back in verse 5, hearing of thy love and faith which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Uh, verse 7, sorry. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. So continue that work of refreshing the believers in Colossae. This man is coming back to you to fulfill his obligations. But don't treat him harshly. He's he, He's... He's repented of his, of his wrongdoing and he's returning willingly and is, and is submitting to whatever punishment might be there. But Paul is beseeching Philemon to be merciful to him and treat him as a brother, not just as a servant. So that, that was interesting. We have those three references there in, in uh, the book of Philemon to the same word that we find in, in Colossians 3.12, translated bowels of mercies. And it meaning compassion and tender-hearted, the, the teaching manual goes on. I don't, I mean, I have some disagreement with what it, what it says in, in this particular passage here, so I skipped over some of it, right? You take, take the good stuff, spit out the rest. Uh, but compassion and tender-heartedness convey the meaning of bowels and mercies, bowels of mercies. This quality wears well when believers minister to others, especially to fellow Christians. 
In an impersonal world, the compassionate believer can touch the lives in Jesus' name. So this having the idea that in our world today, there are a lot of people that are out there hurting. And we can, we can help them first and foremost by telling them about Jesus Christ. But sometimes people have more pressing needs. To, to witness to somebody who is uh, dying of thirst or starving isn't really going to do them much in the moment, right? There should be some meeting of temporal needs in certain circumstances, but not without giving a gospel message, too. So to have a dinner offered to people who just want to come in and no gospel is ever preached or no, no witnessing is ever done feeds them for the day, fattens them up for help. There's, there's nothing that, there's no value of that. There's no redeeming work or quality there that, is, that does anything lasting. That will be burned up. But to strictly go out and uh, tell somebody about Jesus and, like, and, and to bless them after that without meeting some sort of physical need is, makes little sense either. Uh, we need to be able to recognize that. To, to be able to have compassion upon people is not to just hand a $20 bill out the door to the guy standing on the corner, right? That, doesn't, that does nothing for them. But the Lord will direct you in those, in those instances, I believe. So can I also have some volunteers to read? We have some things to read here. And then go through Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. See, the book has questions, and it's related to these passages, and then I went off on a squirrel chase into Philemon. But Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, Brother Austin. Uh, Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 34, Brother Dennis. And the last one is Mark chapter 1. Maybe I'll take that one. So, all right, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted, and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, Right, and, and uh, verses 37 and 38 are paralleled in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Uh, we have that actually the head of our prayer sheet, one of the pages at the header of that. Um, but here, question number five, I think it is, we'll go through each of these sections. Uh, generally ask the question, who is, who is being shown compassion here in these verses? Sister Lynn? The multitudes, all right. And now the follow-up question. For what reason? This might be a little harder. The multitude of lost sheep who desired spiritual rest from religion. This isn't the food passage one. This is, we're looking for something that Jesus has. And, uh, He's teaching things that no other man has ever taught. And they wanted some of this. So they want rest from religion. 
rest, rest from do, 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 and looking for that done that Jesus provides. All right, Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 34. Again, our question, who did Jesus have compassion on in these verses? Pretty obvious, right? The blind men. And what did they desire? They, de- they desired to be able to physically see again, or maybe for the first time. But really, this, this is sort of a metaphor for what the real need is for the world, right? This, the world is blind and lost, and Jesus and his, his salvation that he provides freely rids us of that spiritual blindness that we can truly see who he is and what we are to do ultimately that being we are to love him because it's what he's what he's done for us and the last passage here mark chapter 1 verses 40 and 41 and there came a leper to him beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him if thou wilt thou canst make me clean And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And this man, obviously the leper here, uh, desiring to be freed from from his leprosy. And and throughout the Old Testament especially, we see that leprosy is a metaphor for sin. That Jesus can clean anyone who asks for it of their sin make it possible that that sin is washed away forever in the eyes of God. They'll have a home in in heaven. Uh, Maybe the the cheesy metaphor is that God sees us with his Jesus glasses now, doesn't see all the the wickedness that we we have done and continue to do uh, in that sense as far as salvation goes. But then then allows allows us after after being cleansed to be continually washed in the sense that uh, we have an advocate with the Father that if we do sin, we can go to him and ask for forgiveness. And we're forgiven. And our, our sin is placed as far as the east is from the west. And this world, in that sense, being blind, uh, deaf and dumb to the spiritual things that are, that, are, that are out there, needs Jesus Christ ultimately. And uh, we... Like I said last time, we won't have any peace that this world says it wants. I can remember being a kid, sitting at my parents' uh, dining room table at the farmhouse. That this this would have been um, maybe later years of high school, even sitting there. Of course, I wasn't saved. My mom made me a birthday cake, as she always did, and uh, the same little aluminum pan that had all the little brush scratches and where you, wherever you hit the little knife thingy on there it had the little slide over aluminum cover and I'm pretty sure she still has that 
and uh, just sitting there and the candles are on the cake and right that's the thing you do when you get a birthday cake right Daniel is his, his birthday is tomorrow is it when you get a birthday cake and you got candles on there you got to blow them out right but what do you do before you blow them out you make a wish right you know what my wish was that I'm thinking of at that specific birthday and it's not the only one that I had I naively wished for world peace not understanding what I was actually asking for is impossible without Jesus Christ now I know that and uh, it's coming we will have peace here he will rule with a rod of iron and, uh, and then after that it's going to be an amazing time so looking forward to that I'm looking forward to that uh, it's going to be awesome that day so question number six and we'll end, end here question number six in your books what would you say to a believer who excuses themselves from being compassionate by claiming that they aren't sensitive or an emotional person like I just I, I'm not a crier I don't uh, uh, there's nary a box of Kleenex in my house what's that for but what would you say to somebody who says I'm not compassionate I, I'm just not a sensitive and emotional person what would you say to them Sister Lynn? Right, in these, in these last passages here, we find compassion, compassion, compassion that, that Christ had for those, compassion for the leper, compassion for the blind men, compassion for the multitudes, compassion for many other people, compassion for this entire world, that he came and died and rose again and paid for the sin debt. He had compassion and mercy toward the world. He, his bowels of mercy are, are set the example for this world and uh, you know because he was and his spirit lives within us there isn't really an excuse right if we're yielded to the spirit of God we will have compassion for our brothers our bowels of mercies will, will flow over will overflow all right let's go ahead and pray Heavenly Father we thank you for this for this evening, Lord, that we could be refreshed in the middle of the week, come and hear your word. Lord, I pray that you would use me and have used me uh, to, to minister your word tonight. And Lord, we thank you for the compassion that Jesus Christ had coming to this earth, this sin-cursed earth, living a perfect life, dying on the cross and rising again. Lord, making that way for salvation to be possible through him and by simple faith. And Lord, we thank you uh, just again that... Uh, we have this study, this time to come and fellowship and worship you. We pray that it would honor you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.